You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Peck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of BTL back on another Thursday. No UFC event this weekend, but a whole bunch to talk about. So let's get right into it following UFC 297 and some big news announced this week. First, let us say hello to Mr. No Gray Area, the hot take king, the cannonball kid, and a man who is here to officially set the record straight that the women's bantamweight division, in his eyes, is the best the sport has to offer. From MMAfighting.com, Mr. Jed Mishu. How we doing, buddy? Why are we lying? It's entirely <laughs> unnecessary to lie about that. This is ridiculous. This is the worst division of all time. I can't imagine <laughs> Kayla Harrison's going to save it, but we'll get into all that. Happy to be here, Mike. Lovely Thursday. It's actually not. It's trash-ass Thursday, but it's no longer cold in Atlanta, so that's nice. Yes. Uh, what is written on the whiteboard behind you? You are. I, I have referred to you as our Woody Page many times, oh. and you, you've taken that moniker and ran with it. What does that say? It says Sean Strickland was robbed, parentheses, I am a simpleton. Because <laughs> I am not a simpleton, and I recognize that that was not a robbery. Only a moron would think it was. Oh, yes. I'm sure you're going to make a lot of people happy with that. But back on the show, he is the road warrior of MMAfighting.com, a man who does it all, whether it's 150 degrees outside or if it's 20 below zero, fresh off of having boots in the ground in Toronto, Mr. Jose Youngs. What's up, buddy? Welcome back to, I guess, normal weather this time of year and where you're at. How's things going? I am having a very good hair day. Let's talk about that instead. No one yes, cares about the weather. This is how I woke up, by the way. Mike, you can relate. Jed, I don't know. Anyway, 
I'm here. It was cold in Toronto. It's like 70 here. I'm about to move to the East Coast again. It's going to be cold, but we persevere. Where are you moving? I'm moving to the evil empire that is New York City. Mm. Yeah, that's going to be way different. (laughs) Yeah. I'm moving in February, too, which is going to be even worse because my hands are going to be frozen. As you can see, the books are gone. There are currently 60, uh, 60, 37 boxes of graphic novels in the other room. So that's going to be a lot of fun to pack pack and repack. It's a nightmare. You have obviously a substantially more collection, but we've talked about it. I mean, I have I have a lot of graphic novels and they are impossible to move because yeah, the it's last, just bricks. They're just the, bricks. Last, the last two times I moved, I used one of those Rubbermaid bins. So I bought five and I was like, I'll just consolidate. And then I realized that when I put all the box, books in a Rubbermaid bin, one Rubbermaid bin was 212 pounds. Yeah. So I said, <laughs> yep. I'm not doing this ever again. So then I bought... I, I bought Been cardboard there. boxes, and then I the last time I moved, I had 26, and now I have like 37 because I'm not going to not buy graphic novels. I bought yeah. one in Toronto, and I'm not even like – I literally said like I'm not – I'm done buying graphic novels till the move, and that was a lie. I bought <laughs> some when I was up north, so it happens. Well, listen, if yeah. you have – if you need tips on how to move boxes full of graphic novels, you know where to go. But let's uh, let's get into the MMA chatter. Mm. The first pay-per-view is in the books for the UFC, UFC 297. And we'll get into the main event and the fallout from the main event in a moment. But Jed, you are Mr. No Gray Area, so I'll begin with you. We have had a few days to let UFC 297 linger around in our brains, the fallout of it all, everything about it. So let me ask you, what is your overall grade for UFC 297? Oh, jeez, dude, that is bad. This is great. Uh, look, I, we talked about this heading in. I gave it zero Mashulin stars. I did not think that this was going to be a very good fight card. And it lived up to those very low expectations. It it wasn't good. I don't I, – I, we talked about it on the post show. We've sort of talked about it offline since. It just – it was just tough. The The undercard did not have anything that really drew your attention. All the Canadian fighters, or at least all the all the male Canadian fighters, lost. So, like, wasn't even a super great vibes for Toronto. The main event was, uh, I think, a, a fun fight. Like, I enjoyed that fight. It, it was never pretty because it's not what Drickus Duplessis does. But it was good back-and-forth action. Uh, and sort of kind of ebbs and flows there. It's the sort of fight that I really enjoy, but the co-main event was not great. <laughs> you know, like what what's there to hang your hat on from this card? Like this is, I guess it passes, but I, D, like it, it is really tough. And then, uh, you know, to the point of the sign, the discussion afterwards has been uh, really, really awful, which knocks it down even more. Like it's just... Not not the strongest start to the year for us, Mike. That's what I'll say. Jose, you might have a, a little bit of a different context for this because you were there. You were in the building. You were amongst the people, the wild crowd, the ups and the downs, the ebbs and the flows. Maybe your grade's a little different. What do you grade it? It's very difficult to say because as you know, when you're backstage doing the interviews, you don't really get to watch the fights. Um which is why like all slack people during the fights on, on the MMA fighting staff literally 
like I'll literally write like, how's this fight? Haven't watched a second of it because, you know, it's just a car wash back there. Like one fighter's in, one fighter's out, one fighter's in, one fighter's out. It is extremely rare for anyone backstage to just get to sit down and watch an entire fight. But I can say from what little I did get to watch live or I watched out the side of my like from my peripherals when we were interviewing fighters wasn't the best certainly wasn't the worst wasn't the best day for Canadian fighters but I've been to worse pay-per-views I've been to UFC I think it was 169 I want to say I think that was the newer card I think that had two stoppages in the entire card one of them to to be fair was Jamie Varner versus Abel Trujillo and that fight slapped and then the only other stoppage was Hanumaral Uriah favor two which shouldn't have been a stoppage that was the Herb Dean stopped the fight when Uriah was giving the thumbs up and after that outside of that it was just decision city and not even remotely close to exciting decision wins so not the best, certainly not the worst. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it like a 6.5, which is passing, but as low as you can get. Yeah, it was it was a card. Longest watch party we've ever done. Uh, and that includes the Francis Agano tyson Fury one that Jose and I did, which seemed like forever. Mm-hmm. This one was actually than that but jose uh as it says here welcome to the ddp era drickus duplicy is the middleweight champion defeat sean strickland via split decision super super close fight even on the mm-hmm. rewatch one of the closest mm-hmm. fights i've seen in a long time it reminded me of the volkanovsky holloway rematch on fight island just incredibly close fight the reaction from the people very similar as well i thought volkanovsky won but there is a a mass of people who thought we were the worst people on the planet. If you had that opinion, because Max Holloway clearly won that fight. So this is mm-hmm. very similar to that, but your reaction to the beginning of the DDP era and the end to the Sean Strickland championship reign. Well, the reaction is not surprising because I, we were talking about it before we went live. It's also similar to the Islam, uh, Volkanovsky one fight where it was just a close fight. And the similarities between you know, people thought Volkanovski beat Islam the first time. I didn't. People thought Max Holloway beat Volkanovski the 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 second time. I didn't. Uh, people thought Sean Strickland won over DDP. I didn't. The similarity is the fan favorite in each of those fights ended up on the wrong end of a close fight. So people are just grasping at straws. I feel like like when your fate when your favorite fighters lose close fights, your knee jerk reaction is always robbery. Close fight. He should have won. The scorecards could like, and that's all true. It, they were just close fights. I will listen to your argument that Sean Strickland won. I will disagree, but I don't think it's a robbery. It's just when when your favorite fighter loses, uh, people just you know think DDP is the worst fighter ever. Volkanovski worst fighter ever. Islam worst fighter ever. And then usually they go out. In the case of Volkanovski uh, and Holloway three and Islam Volkanovski two nail in the coffin there was no argument about it it's similar to like frank edgar just got not, uh is getting inducted into the ufc hall of fame in new york rick was on ariel's show uh the mma hour and we were all working and they were talking about it and he goes you know i used to hate frankie edgar because i thought he beat i thought bj penn won the first fight watch that fight that's a much more that has a much bigger case of a robbery than any of the three fights that I mentioned before, it's just sometimes your favorite fighter loses and you have to accept it. They, I am very confident they will rematch given the popularity of Sean Strickland and the fan base and how vocal they are. I just, I thought DDP won. Uh, I said, as soon as the fight, I think it was round four. I was like, Oh, Stri- DDP's kind of got this in the bag. Unless Sean Strickland pulls out a hail Mary. Someone next to me said, it just felt like Sean Strickland was keeping the seat warm 
for a fighter like DDP or Israel Adesanya rematch or Robert Whitaker. I don't know if that's fair because he Sean Strickland beat Israel Adesanya fair and square over five rounds. But yeah, the DDPR is here. Middleweight division is looks like it could be a hot potato for a bit, similarly to light heavyweight. The difference is there's a lot of exciting fights down the road. It's just a question of who's next, if Israel is ready, if Hamzat's going to fight, Paolo Costa's fighting Robert Whitaker. The, the the matchups are endless, and I very I really really hope DDP doesn't just you know make a jump to light heavyweight right away. I'd really like to see someone try to fill up all those rubies on the UFC belt and just rack up title defenses and go for the rec for most consecutive title defenses in the middleweight division, UFC history, whatever. And also there's just there's just a lot of fun fights for DDP. I know he said like he was making some weird claims. I was like, oh, I've already cleaned out the division if I beat Israel Asani. Like, that's not true. You haven't fought the Jared Cannon there. If you haven't fought the Hamzat, you haven't fought the Paulo Costas. You could rematch Sean Strickland if Israel wins. And there's going to be an appetite for a rematch there. The middle division is very fun. It is very, very fun. And DDP just happens to be at the top of the division right now. Jed, what's been your biggest takeaway since Saturday from the win from DDP, the reaction, DDP being this sort of new head of the table, if you will, 185, and from the short but quite memorable run as champion for Sean Strickland? So we've talked about it on a couple of shows at this point. I think the thing that I keep coming back to as I've sort of gone back and I've rewatched the fight, rewatched the fight, I still think DDP won. If you think Strickland won, totally fine. That's that is a justifiable scorecard. No man got robbed. However, the outcome of that fight would have gone uh, unless like there was some shenanigans with what rounds were given to who. Nope. Like pretty clear. Uh, I think this is just a close fight. And as I rewatched it and as I was watching in real time, I keep coming back to this idea that I still don't quite know what to make of DDP, but I know that he's a problem. And I've said this on a couple of other programs in this way. I would pick him as a favorite over anyone in the middleweight division. I would not have him as a big favorite over anyone in the middleweight division. He presents and presented to Sean Strickland a bunch of problems. I, I loved hearing Robert Whitaker on the MMA hour yesterday talk about it. So he was like, yeah, like I've fought him. He's really weird. It's really tough to fight him. He's super awkward. He's he ch- like, you know chains overhand lefts into overhand rights and at one point if you watch that fight he he headbutts Strickland in the ass because the two of them are just kind of rock'em sock'em roboting it in the weirdest way possible and when you think of Sean Strickland you think of a super disciplined guy he is going to fight the same way every time he's going to do the same things and DDP sort of at points in that fight drew him into these anarchic swing fests where he could thrive and Strickland did not. And as I kind of watched it, I just think, is he the prettiest fighter? No. And that's why people I think feel a certain way about him. And I think that's why there is always an opportunity that any middleweight is going to have a shot against him because all of them basically are more mechanically sound than what Trickus is offering. But he is, pretty athletic he's not like the best athlete in history but he's athletic he's gigantic like the man's back goes on for for days like a country acre he is quick he is powerful and strong and he is very good tactically both at uh, evaluating fights beforehand and kind of knowing what he needs to do they had a pretty good read on how to attack sean strickland in this fight 
and his ability to make adjustments mid fight and say, okay, these are the things that aren't working. Some of this is still going to be like at points. He's still going to be wild and reckless and, and DDP ish, but he mixes in enough of the good parts that when you back it with the power and the athleticism, it, it makes a really tough cocktail to sort of solve. He is, I've likened him repeatedly to, sort of a, a new generation Yoel Romero. He's not as athletic as Romero, but he's bringing a lot of the same qualities that Yoel brought to the table, except for unlike Yoel, who will not fight, like he will just barely throw anything. DDP understands the current metagame of MMA. He's going to put volume on you. And we saw that he could do it for 25. So I, again, I think that that makes him a really tough out for anybody in the weight class. And a lot of people could beat him, I'm just not going to pick anyone to beat him until I see it physically happen at this point. As Jose said, Jed, uh, the the options are endless, but it seems like most of us are in agreement that DDP versus Israel Adesanya is the fight to make, maybe as soon as UFC 300. That would be quite the main event for UFC 300. I think it checks off all the boxes, and by all accounts, this is what the UFC is going to try and put together. But let me ask you this, Jed. Let's just say hypothetically, Izzy reflects and says, look – I understand this opportunity, but I said I was going to take some time off. Mentally, physically, I need a little bit more time. But then DDP tells the UFC, look, all good. I still want to fight at 300 or as soon as possible. If you had the pencil, would you keep the idea of having DDP fight at 300 at the top of your to-do list? Would you go a different route, different opponent? Or would you just wait for Izzy whenever he's ready to come back? I, I would wait for Izzy. Um, I think obviously I've been saying for weeks and in a perfect world, Izzy versus DDP is the main event of 300 makes all the sense in the world. But, you know, if the timelines don't work out, bump that back to international fight week. Like that's that, that also makes a ton of sense and is okay. Or, or just, I guess, another pay-per-view depending on how those roll out. I just, I think the only reason to make DDP make a quick turnaround would be Izzy. And I you know my status. I hate immediate rematches. I thought that was a very close fight. It won't be the worst thing in the world if they run it right back, but Sean Strickland just needs to fight some dude. I'm sort of with DDP in his statement that Hamzat doesn't really deserve a title shot. Deserve doesn't have much to do with it these days, obviously, but and I super don't want DDP to fight Alex Pereira at light heavyweight. So just just shelve him. We've been waiting on DDP Izzy for a long time. Let's let's make that happen and then go from there. And if it can't happen at 300, then we wait until it can happen a few months later. I don't know what you do at that point uh, for the 300 main event. I maybe something with Alex Pereira, but uh, yeah, I just don't. We've been waiting on Izzy DDP. Let's do that fight. It is the fight to make right now. That's all. That's all we need to focus on at this point in time. Jose, what do you think? Because even Danny, I, I heard, I, I saw a clip on Twitter before we went live. Daniel, Danny Rubenstein was on Anakin Florian and he was asked mm-hmm. about this exact thing. And Danny said that he reached out to Israel's manager even before the fight and said, look, if we win, we're going to call it Israel. But if he's not ready for UFC 300, then we're not going to waste the call out. We'll call out Alex Pereira. We'll call out somebody else. And Danny said that he was told, yeah, Izzy will be ready to go. So that's why the call out went the way that it did. But let's just say... This can't happen. Izzy is like, yeah, I need a little more time. Do you just wait for DDP Izzy or do you kind of strike while the iron's hot? 
DDP got the the big fan reaction going back home. Do you try to get him over a little bit more? Try to establish him as the king of this division, or at least try to? Or do we just kind of let this marinate and we can't waste DDP Izzy a second time here? I don't think we can waste DDP Izzy. Um, I'd also like both of those gentlemen to be 100% healthy when they fight because Israel Adesanya, until very recently, hadn't posted much you know, training, sparring footage. He's posted a lot of stuff in Mexico. I'm assuming he got stem cells or something in his shoulder because that seems to be what was causing the problem. We haven't seen a whole lot of training camp or, you know, sparring or any sort of, you know, workout footage until within the last week or so. DDP's eye was pretty much completely closed after that fight. He fought Sean Strickland for 25 minutes. If they are even 90%, I would just wait. I'd rather see Drikis Duplessis and Israel Adesanya fight when they're both 100%. Uh, if that's International Fight Week, so be it. If that's the rumored international card somewhere this summer, then so be it. But I'm always for both men or women being 100% because I don't want there to be any excuses after. Israel Asana seems pretty confident he can beat Drigas Duplessis. Seems pretty confident he was going to beat Sean Strickland too. I don't think he was 100% going into that fight. Sean Strickland won fair and square. He put together a perfect game plan, threw off Israel Adesanya's uh, approach. I still don't think Israel was healthy. Uh, I, so I'd, I don't want to see that mistake happen again because if Izzy all of a sudden goes 0-2 in his last two fights and they're both title shots, what reason will we have to ever see him fight for the title anytime soon at middleweight ever again outside of like Robert Whitaker, Jared Cannonier winning the title because Israel has wins over them. He could go up to light heavyweight, obviously, for Alex Pereira. But if he's 0-2 at middleweight and he bumps up to light heavyweight, why give him a mini title shot right away anyway? So I want Israel to wait. Uh, if he's not 100%, I want Drickus to wait if he's not 100%. Drickus obviously has proven he's more than willing to wait for a title shot if he's not 100%. He was supposed to fight Israel on that September card. His ankle wasn't ready. They waited out. He's the champion now. I'm pretty confident they're not just going to shove him into UFC 300 if he's not 100%. If Danny thinks he's 100%, Israel's 100%, Drickus is 100%, sign me up for UFC 300. I just want both men to be 100% no matter when it happens. And on the other side, Jose, Sean Strickland. The man mm-hmm. may have lost the title, may have lost the fight on two of the cards, but that's really all he lost if he lost anything because his stock is at an all-time high. He sort of Nate diaz this situation mm-hmm. to some degree to win in the court of public opinion even if the color on this fight on his wiki is red. The man is just on fire right now. So what do we do with Sean Strickland? What would you like to see next for him? Mm, maybe the winner of Robert Whitaker and Paulo Costa, especially like if Robert Whitaker wins, I don't think either one of those two is going to get a title shot right away to begin with. If if Paulo Costa wins, I would imagine they try to rebook the Hamzat fight, especially if Hamzat's not fighting for the title next. Especially if they, you know if they want to go to Saudi Arabia and they need a main event, Paulo Costa versus Hamzat Shemaev seems like a pretty good main event for a fight night down there, or at least a co-main event. If Robert Whitaker wins, I've always wanted to see Robert Whitaker fight Sean Strickland. Robert Whitaker himself said, you know, I, a couple more wins, I could get another title shot, especially if it's, uh, you know, Drakus, he's not going to get the the next one because he got lost pretty convincingly. So I would like to see Sean fight uh, the winner of that or just fight Robert Whitaker next, regardless of what happens, because uh, especially if Paolo's going to be tied up with Hamzat, he could wait for Jared Kanier to come back because, you know, we're talking about close fights. It's not the first time Sean Strickland's been in a really close fight that he thought he won. That Jared Cannonier was razor thin. I I also scored that for Jared Cannonier. Wasn't a robbery. Um, anyone in the top five that's not matched up, Sean Strickland deserves 
uh, a crowd at least. I don't want to see him stuck at the apex again. Seems like one of those guys that you can make, you know, those five-round co-main events that they seem to be doing a lot. Stick him on the ESPN card maybe, but Sean Strickland deserves to be in the big octagon in an arena with fans, not stuck in an apex with like 500 people watching. Jed, what's next for Sean Strickland? Hamza Chmaev. Seems real easy to me. Um, Chmaev, I'm still a bit surprised we're just not doing Chmaev Costa. That was obvious, but we're not because um, they're doing that, and that's fine. I do think Chmaev should – like he doesn't need one. It's Chmaev. He'll be fine. Like people will be excited about it. He should at least have to try and beat like a legitimate top-tier middleweight to earn a title shot. Sean Strickland is obviously that. I also think that Sean Strickland posed a really interesting test to Hamza Chimaev. So uh, to me, uh, we've talked about this. I would just do Izzy DDP and on that exact card, Sean Strickland versus Hamza Chimaev is the co-main event. You got yourself a little four-man Grand Prix at middleweight and it's awesome. And uh, Paulo Costa, Robert Whitaker, the winner of that can kind of just wait around and fight the winner of the, that little four-man turn you were holding. So seems really easy that's exactly what i'd be lining up yeah as you like to say jed uh with middleweight and where it stands right now there's no wrong way to eat this reese's but we'll see how this all plays out over the next couple of weeks maybe leading into ufc 300 but let's move on to the rest of ufc 297 i have a feeling this round will not last as long as this one <laughs> point for round one goes to Jose Youngs, there he goes. How about that? Trading in those miles for BTL points. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. So let's 
talk about the rest of the card. So yes, Raquel Pennington is the new women's bantamweight champion after defeating Myra Bueno Silva. Neil Magny got the only finish on the main card, which I don't think a lot of people would have predicted. A late comeback TKO win over Mike Bullock. Chris Curtis gets a splitty nod and a pretty middleweighty middleweight affair. And Mavzar Avloyev gets a big win over Arnold Allen in the main card opener. Prelims didn't have a lot on paper that got you fired up, but mm-hmm. had some pretty wild moments. So, Jose, I'll begin with you. Outside of the main event, and I know you're not watching the card, you know, full on because you're doing a bunch of things, but, you know, maybe it was like a, a backstage interview with the fighter. I don't know. What will you remember most about UFC 297 outside of the main event? Hmm. Outside of the main event, I would have to say a lot of very odd interviews backstage, I would say. Not odd as in like they were like things I was not expecting to to come out of people's mouths were said. And none of them salacious whatsoever. Like Jimmy Flick's declaring that if Damian Maya and Habib Nurmagomedov had a baby together that it would be Jimmy Flick. That caught me off guard for a bit. Um, it's not always, we don't always post the interviews of the first fight of the night, but we're not passing a headline that says if Habib Nurmagomedov and Damian Maya had a baby, his name would be Jimmy Flick. Uh, Jasmine Jazz Divisius started just off. ridiculous. <laughs> Jasmine Jazz Divisius started off her meaty scrum uh, by saying these pretzels are making me thirsty, which also caught me off guard because I don't know how old Jasmine Jazz Divisius is, but I'm pretty sure Seinfeld ended in like 97, 98. That's a long On time Netflix, ago. On Netflix, baby. I'm very surprised that we're still getting Seinfeld references, especially from prelim fighters from Canada on a UFC pay-per-view. <laughs> Um, I would say who else? Uh, Sean Woodson's interview. You know, he said he had accepted the loss, and then basically Sean Woodson was a loser for three seconds, and then realized he won, and then he was like, "Cool, hopefully I get a title shot next." And then Mazar Evloyev uh, revealing that he his favorite TV shows are Breaking Bad and Vampire Diaries was also caught me off guard quite a bit. Uh, he talked about Breaking Bad at Media Day. He's like, this is how I learned English. I'm like, that's insane that you're lo- using Breaking Bad to learn English. And then our own AK Lee was like, what other shows do you watch? He's like, I really like Vampire Diaries. I'm like, that was not on my bingo card whatsoever of all the possibilities you could have said. Um, and then always Chris Curse is always just a blast. His Media Day was a lot of fun. But yeah, just a lot of real strange answers to and a lot of strange references I was not expecting from a lot of these fighters back today. So all in all... Not the biggest names, but very much so the most random amount of interviews I've ever done back there in a long time. Yeah, Jasmine's, I mean, she's kind of in the wheelhouse. She's going to be 35 in March, so mm. I think she kind of hits the, the time frame pretty well. Uh, Jed? Seinfeld is timeless. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Everyone 100%. likes Seinfeld. 100%. Jed, you know, when you're, when you're Papa Jed and, you know, it's 25, 30 years from now and the grandkids come on over and they say, Papa Jed? Tell me about UFC 297. I already know about Sean Strickland versus Drickus Duplessis, but outside of that, what will you remember most about UFC 297? Tell me about it. Well, well, young child, do you remember uh, the great Habib Nurmagomedov and Damian Maya? Apparently their child sucks. Like, I can't. It's not my real answer, but I do just want to address Jimmy Flicks, clearly a crazy person, because, like, one... He doesn't fight anything like either of those two gentlemen. <laughs> two, he's already been knocked out like three times as many times as the two of them were combined. <laughs> like it's you you think that cho- your children are better versions of you, not like 
dramatically worse versions of you. This is a ridiculous statement. I could not believe that Jimmy Flick said that. So props to him for being completely delusional. Uh, the answer is the co-main event uh, because this is the evening that I became fully convinced all the way uh, convicted that we should just get rid of women's 135. Uh, I have led the charge internally that we should stop ranking this weight class because it's bad. Um, and when I mean bad, I mean bad. We did a show this week where we made a pretty compelling case that it is the worst weight class in modern UFC history, excluding women's 145, which was never a real weight class. Uh, and the signing of Kayla Harrison does not change that. This weight class is in dire, dire straits, and there are no reinforcements coming. There are no young bantamweights uh, on on arrival. There is there is no prospect to get excited about. There is one woman ranked at 135 that is younger than 30. Uh, your new champion is Raquel Pennington, and I have a lot of respect for Rocky what Rocky Pennington has been able to accomplish in her career. This is going to be exceedingly disrespectful, but it's the nature of the beast. I think she is probably the worst champion to ever exist in modern UFC history. Again, excluding Nico Montano, who was a fraudulent champion. Like she, she's a a quality fighter, but she is Neil Magny at bantamweight. Only women's bantamweight is just so much worse than welterweight that she hung around long enough and she got a title attached to her. It's it, it's just it's not the Halcyon days anymore. And there had been some hope that if Maya Buena Silva could get the win, she at least has been exciting lately. So maybe there is some thing. But instead, we're looking at a Raquel Pennington title run, which if she beats Juliana Pena, she will have fought like the top seven people in the UFC's Bantamweight rankings, you you might find that hard to believe because you don't remember the fights because they were all awful. And so we're now looking at rematches of those awful fights. Like, God help us, Kayla Harrison is the only thing that could maybe make this at least some some kind of interesting, but a lot of questions there. We'll get into that. Let's. I've been pushing it, Mike. Let's get rid of women's 135. You do women's 115. You do women's 125. You should bring in an atom weight 105 division. And then open weight. I'm super in on just anything above 125 is open weight. You can weigh in whatever the hell you want. And we have an open weight belt like they do at ADCCs and, and stuff like that. But we got to be done with 135. This weight class is trash. Jose, let's try, let's try to get some positives here, okay? Uh, a little superlative, if you will. Mm-hmm. Who's the low-key low MVP of 297? I mean, was anything a high-key? Is that the opposite of low-key? Was anything on this card? Like, the entire card was low-key. <laughs> it was the first pay-per-view of the year, and, like, Neil Magny got the only stoppage. I don't think... I personally do not think we should get rid of the women's bantamweight division, uh, nor do I believe anyone at MMA fighting will lose sleep if they don't get rid of the MMA, if they don't get rid of the women's bantamweight division, because people like to say things and, you know, the Internet doesn't forget. Um, In terms of low key, I mean, this entire card is low key, honestly, like we're going to look back at this card and be like that fight card happened. Mm. I don't I <laughs> this is how difficult this is to answer this entire I guess Jillian Robertson like she just continued like she's like talking about 
like people in the record. Like we talked a lot about Neil Magny being in like the UFC record books. We talked a lot about Jim Miller being in UFC record books. If you look at like the women's record, which I'm sure Jed just pours over given his affinity for women's MMA, um, Jillian Robertson is on a lot of those lists in the top five, like most finish. I'm pretty sure she has most finishes in flyweight division. I know she has the most submission wins in the in the history of the women's all the women's divisions in the UFC. Uh, which means she has the most submission wins in flyweight history. I'm pretty sure she's tied for the most bouts of flyweights. I think she has the most second most finishes. I don't know. It, there's a Jillian Robertson is in a lot is like the antithesis of Neil Magny to this women's division in the women's divisions because she's on all these lists and she's not she has never fought for the title and I don't know if she ever will fight for the title. But when it's all said and done. Jillian Robertson's name is going to be in the top five of a lot of these UFC lists, and most of them are stoppage wins. They're not decision wins, or at least, you know, submission attempts. And yeah, she's lost to like some really talented fighters and some not so talented fighters, and she's been stopped by some not so talented fighters. But Jillian Robertson is always game. Her coach is a crazy man. I've interviewed him once, he's the president of Karate Combat. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's the head coach over at Goat Shed. And he refers to himself as Dana Brown on Instagram. And he is just an absolute lunatic. He is, he's like, he, if anyone, I don't, again, I wish I could tell you what his Instagram was so you could go see this video. But if you go watch his, if you find his Instagram, he's, he's like doing a selfie video during Jillian Robertson's stoppage win. And he's just like pointing his finger up and talking to the camera. And behind him, his fighter is finishing Pollyanna Viana. I'm like, I mean, it's getting people talking. He's clearly a maniac. And his his eyeballs are like the size of like saucer plates the entire time. So, yeah, I guess Jillian Robertson, because no one's really talking about her. And she just continues to rack up stoppage wins. And her coach, again, I can't stress this enough, is an absolute maniac. Isn't it like... Mr. Awesome or like President Probably, awesome? probably. He is, he is big. I, I wish I could take whatever was, was generating his energy and just like create a car out of it because that thing will run nonstop. Again, I interviewed him after Karate Combat, like the, that, that incredibly long Karate Combat card that ev- everyone watched. And the man is a very excited individual and he wants to make a lot of fights that seem fun on paper in karate combat, whether he can pull them off or not would be very interesting. But yeah, that man is a, is a crazy man. And I, not in a bad way. Like he's just a very energetic man and wears very loud shirts. Jose, he, he made fights happen on the moon. I think he can do whatever well, see, he wants to accomplish. Here's the thing. I was there. So I didn't You're get on to the moon. See I was on the moon and I can tell you that You've experienced some weird cards. Well, you've ex- you're, you live in the South, so I'm assuming every sporting event you go to is just chaos and no one follows the rules. Karate combat was just like, you have a ticket, come on in. Where do I sit? I don't know. Just stand wherever you want. At one point in time, the people were like climbing over the ledge to like get into the pit. I'm like, this is just COVID all over it. Like people were like shoulder to shoulder like this. I'm just like, golly, this is like the worst thing I've ever experienced. And then the fights happened, and I was really exhausted at 2 a.m. And then I interviewed the president of Karate Combat, and I was like, I could just run through a wall right now. That man is just pure energy. Jed, Jose had a hard time getting a low key MVP. He eventually landed on Jillian Robertson's pretty solid choice. Uh, do you have one? Do you need to work as hard? 
Uh, he's half right. The answer is uh, non-bantamweight women. Uh, I'm not counting Jasmine Jazdavicius as a bantamweight because she did not need to fight at this weight. Priscilla Cachoeira just couldn't make weight. And obviously Priscilla Cachoeira, not a hero. Uh, Jasmine Jazdavicius and Jillian Robertson are the only two bright spots on this card. Neil Magny, like credit him. Uh, for for pulling that out, but that's more of a holy shit. Did Mike Malott really trash this one? Right, like Mike Malott just had to not f- die. I I've never seen a man fall off a cliff that hard that quickly as Malott did in the fight. He was so clearly winning. So uh, Robertson Jazavicious because they were good. Like they were awesome. They came out and delivered beatdowns. And you know, uh, credit to Jazavicious who ends up getting the finish despite not ha- I think that was her first one in the UFC which yep. you know kind of kind of turfed my bet on her by decision which I thought was just a lock but uh good for her you know like that's that's how you do you come make a statement in the fight where your opponent didn't technically miss weight but miss weight by like a lot and uh you move forward so those those two women are the the low key helpers of this card but Jose is also correct there's not a high key like this this card is bad sort of been saying the whole time it was a bad card uh hopefully 298 will be better well let's uh let's move on from ufc 297 and talk about the future a little bit of ufc 300 news a new signing maybe maybe some hope for this women's bantamweight division we'll talk about that more but the point for round two goes to Mr. Positivity, Jed Mishu, one-to-one. Good job. All right. So let's move on to the big news of the week. Tuesday night, late, Dana White goes to social media. Breaking news is the tag. We're expecting, if you just look at the breaking news, we're going to get the UFC 300 main event. No, Dana White drops a bit of a bombshell. Holly Holmes fighting at UFC 300. Her opponent, the newly signed... Former two-time PFL million-dollar champ, Kayla Harrison, who we thought she maybe had one more fight with the Professional Fighters League. That's what Don Davis said on the MMA Hour. He promised the fans we're going to get Kayla Harrison versus Chris Chris Cyborg this summer. Not the case. Kayla Harrison, UFC bound, and she will fight Holly Holm at UFC 300. Jose, we didn't get your reaction. We did a quick emergency podcast uh, reacting to this news yesterday, but Kayla Harrison... Signs with the UFC. She's fighting at UFC 300 against former Bantamweight champ Holly Holm. Your reaction to this big news? I actually tweeted out my reaction. Verbatim, what went through my head. My reaction was Kayla Harrison is very good at MMA. Holly Holm is also very good at MMA. Kayla Harrison in a Bantamweight will be very interesting. Those are my thoughts. I didn't really have it. I don't really have reactions to these breaking news anymore because regardless of who these two women fight, I'm going to watch them. This is going to be, keep in mind, this is going to be a very boring answer because I, this is going to be a boring answer. You can just give the point to Jed now. I didn't care. I just didn't like all like it's, I don't care. Like if I'm excited to, that Kayla Harrison is fighting again and I'm excited that Holly Holm is fighting again. I don't hate the women's bantamweight division. Holly Holm is about as big a name as you can get for a UFC debut. That's not the champion. In fact, I would argue, I don't even think it's an argument, that in the bantamweight division, she's the biggest name there over the champion, over Juliana Pena. People know who Holly Holm is. Uh, I think it's a good test for uh, Kayla Harrison's cut to 135. 
Obviously, if Kayla get, does it right and is healthy, she should be an absolutely monstrous favorite. I think she's like minus 500. I'm not a betting man. I don't even know what minus 500 means. Seems like a lot. I'll let Jed talk about that. He has a, a podcast called No Bets Bards on the MA Fighting Network. You know, consume the product, guys. Um, didn't care. Did Truly didn't care. These fight announcements don't really do anything for me because Kayla Harrison was going to fight no matter what. Probably Holmes was going to fight no matter what. I'm excited they're fighting against each other. But what... You know what drives me nuts? You can you can put all three of you on because I would like to see your reactions to this. I don't understand. This is actually a, a, a journalist thing that drives me crazy. The amount of people that just say that just take Dana's tweet and then just repeat it as their own tweet is so odd to me. It's so strange. Like Holly Holm is fighting Kayla Harrison at USC 300 and then I refresh and there's like 70 journalists just posting the same thing. Just, just you know, quote tweet, retweet the video. It gets the, like it's you're gonna get the engagement no matter what. It's not your breaking news. Also, don't tag the fighters. That's very strange too. That is very, very odd. Um, yeah. Or if you work for a publication, wait for the article to go live, and then you can retweet the product, and we could get clicks and engagement out of it. It doesn't all have. I don't know. It just it's very odd to me when people take Dana's videos and then just repeat them as their own static things like they broke the news it's very strange to me but you can give the point to jed that was a very boring answer because my answer is don't really care i'm just excited to watch the fight casey i wish you had the the old nbc the more you know graphic that you could just put up over the screen right there after that uh yes very nice more you know dung 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 uh Jed, I mean, look, we did the emergency reaction, so I think people got your initial thoughts to this. But sometimes when we do these emergency reactions, we reflect a little bit more on what we said. And then not that you have like a full change of heart, but maybe you look at things a little bit differently. So you, you're exact. The fir- I believe the first two words you said when I asked you about this was, this sucks. Has the stance changed? And explain why it sucks and why it hasn't changed. Mike, I've never once reflected on the thing I've done. Uh, I'm just, I'm out here living, baby. Just, just the past is for cowards. We're just, we're vibing in the future. One, I would in principle agree with Jose about the retweeting Dana and then saying the same stuff, except for I need at least one of those people to exist because Dana has blocked me on Twitter. So I never get to see his announcements. I only get to see the announcement when like, Aaron Bronstetter retweets it and says the thing. So I, I need those. Uh, so everyone can't do it, but most of you should quit with that. So I do agree with Jose. Uh, this blows ass. I feel exactly the same as a different reaction show. For years, the fight we have all wanted is Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg. They are finally under the same roof. Chris Cyborg has been pretty explicit. She has one fight left in MMA before she will hang it up. We were all of the opinion that it was going to be Kayla Harrison. Don Davis out here promising at the start of the year, we're going to get that in the summer. Finally, it looked like we are going to get that fight. And then this happens. I, I do not know why. I just hate it. Kayla could have come to the UFC at any point in time. I am sure she's going to make a good amount of money. I doubt it is the same amount of money PFL would have offered her to stay and put together the cyborg fight. Uh, I, I truly do not know why she would accept this offer now when she could have done it in December. She could have fought Chris Cyborg in the summer and then done this. 
because what are we looking for for her at 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 the UFC? Like that that has been my big my big thing. She's made some test cuts theoretically. Dana has said so. Dana says a lot of stuff. You should just never accept what he says at face value. You'll probably be right more than you'll be wrong if you do that. If she can make 135, this isn't as bad as it could be. But again, this is a trash-ass weight class that's going nowhere. What are the fights? She's going to come fight Holly Holm. Okay, that's a fight that will happen, I guess. If she wins that, I guess she can fight for the belt and she can have that. There is the allure that maybe Amanda Nunes will come out of retirement to fight her. That's the it. But it, like that, those are the only fights. Whereas at least in PFL, there's Cyborg. It's the fight we've wanted for years. And then I would also like to watch her rematch Liz Pacheco after Pacheco handed her a defeat and appears to be cresting as a fighter. Instead, we're not getting there. I'm not saying she should stay in PFL forever. Like moving to the UFC eventually is fine. Doing it at this point in time is so odd to me when it was so clear that the fight she has been chasing after since almost day one was at her fingertips it was right there and maybe it couldn't happen on like the fastest timeline that she wanted, but it was right there for that fight to happen. And now it will never happen. She will never fight Chris Cyborg in MMA. And that sucks ass, man. We have, we have, I said on the preview on the, on the reaction pod, we have swapped out a potential Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg fight for Kayla Harrison versus 42 year old Holly Holm. It's the worst trade in history. We got fleeced by this. That like someone should step in and stop this because it sucks real bad. And it's not even helping UFC 300. Like it's a fine fight, but it's, does this make a single person more interested in UFC 300 than they were on Tuesday before we knew this? No, like it is fight cyborg, man. It's all we want. It's all anyone asked for was fight cyborg. And instead we're getting Holly home. What the hell? So I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Jed. So is this clear that when you look at this promotionally, that this is more, ooh, this is really bad for the PFL more than it's, oh, this is really good for the UFC? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's a really good argument that Kayla Harrison is the only star in PFL. Francis Ngannou obviously is a star, but uh, I don't know if you guys have checked checked the newspapers lately. He has yet to fight in PFL, and it's starting to seem like that he may not. If he if he goes out here and and beats a, a a former heavyweight champion, which I don't think is likely, but if he beats Joshua, he's never fighting in MMA again. <laughs> so, Kayla Harrison is the biggest star they have that actually competes in the promotion, and they just lost her to the UFC. And they just lost the biggest fight they had because what happened when they announced their big PFL Bellator card? Like we hopped on a reaction pod and Shaheen got there and was like, this is missing something. These are four fights that we don't like. Where's the thing? And the thing it was missing, the thing we all said was Cyborg versus Kayla. And now like that's the one fight they had in the bag and now that's gone. Like the UFC gets – if she can make 135, she they get a star who can maybe lift this division back up. Uh, and carry it for a little while as they try to build it. But that's not a major gain for them. It is a monstrous loss for PFL. What do you think about this from a PFL perspective, Jose, especially with this year, the Bellator merger, everything they're going on, we're we're striving to be the co-leader in MMA. This is the word that always is going to come back when discussing the PFL, whether you, you take it seriously or you're just using it kind of in a joking manner. But how big of a blow is this? to the PFL losing Kayla Harrison. 
Um, it's. I do agree with you that Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison would have been the big one for that PFL versus Bellator thing. Um, I don't. I don't know. Like I, it like how many pay per views has has PFL done? Like we all watch PFL because we get paid to, and there's like this very niche group of fans that t- tune in to watch the PFL just because they love mixed martial arts and like you know they ha- it's on ESPN. But I don't know that many people that are paying to watch Kayla Harrison in the PFL. Also, I just don't know what PFL's new business model is going to be. Like, they're doing this big event in Saudi. Saudi very clearly doesn't care about ticket sales or pay-per-views, whatever. They just want to put on spectacles. So I don't know if it's a major loss because, like, what was the big gain to having Kayla Harrison there? Just a talking point for this niche group to, like, to talk about? Because every time Kayla Harrison fought, the only conversations we really had were like, oh, when are you going to go to the UFC? Would you fight Chris Cyborg? Not, hey, you're fighting Luis Pacheco for the fourth time, this and that. It was never about her fights. It was always about stuff outside of the PFL. Now those conversations are over because she's not in the PFL. So I, for one, because I don't like hypothetical talk whatsoever. Like if you interview Patchy Mix and you're like, how would you do against Sean O'Malley? It's just not going to happen. It's like saying like, what happens if the sun was made of yogurt? Like it's just not, it's just not reality. <laughs> it's not reality. I don't like dealing with that in in non in I, I like talking about what is realistic. So Kayla Harrison could have gone to any MMA organization in the world and the conversations would have been like, oh, what about if you went to the UFC? Now she's in the UFC. I'm excited that that conversation is over. I'm excited to see her fight because regardless of what you think about the women's bantamweight division in any avenue of mixed martial arts, the best bantamweight fighters in MMA are in the UFC. I would like to see her fight the best. If that's in the UFC, go to the UFC. If that was in the PFL, go to PFL. She wants to test herself amongst the best. She's a high-level athlete. So be it. Come to the UFC. So I don't think it's a loss for the PFL. I don't think it's a massive gain for the UFC. I'm just glad that Kayla Harrison gets to fight high-level competition for really some of the first time in her life because until she lost with Larissa Pacheco, she was just mopping the floor with everyone in front of her, and it just seems like she was bored. I like new. I like seeing fighters t- take new challenges. I don't think it's a big loss. I don't think it's a big gain. I'm Personally, I'm just excited she gets to fight high-level competition. Well, since you love dabbling in – predictions and hypotheticals jose Mm -hmm. uh over under a year from now amanda nunez has announced her bid to return to the ufc she's gonna go we're we're setting up amanda versus kayla which i we would assume that amanda at least had some idea that kayla was coming back right why even tease that you may or that, that you haven't shut and slammed the door completely on this so over under a year from right now amanda nunez is like all right i'm coming back zero percent i think amanda nunez had the perfect retirement i don't think she's going to come back i saw her in toronto um she had her 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 daughter there and she just looked like she was having an absolute blast being a mom um obviously when there are retired fighters around these big events i bet you know their blood gets flown again and 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 she's gonna want to get back in there you know nina's not training anymore she's retired a man is retired I, I know, like, there are other fighters that have been training with them. Um, maybe, you know, we could see her in, a, in some sort of coaching aspect, but I, I don't think Amanda comes back, especially for Kayla Harrison. That just seems, like, for a boatload of money, maybe. I'll say 1% then, because money talks. If Kayla Harrison just steamrolls the division and, you know, gets on the mic and blah, 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 come out of retirement and fight me, maybe we get the GSB thing where she comes out of retirement, like, years later and fights the big fight. 
I just don't see it happening, especially after seeing her in Toronto, you know, being a mom with Nina. It just she looked like she was having a blast not fighting. One percent, Jed, Jose is giving in Amanda Nunes comeback. Are you around the same? Are you at the zero or are you higher than that? I think it's almost a certainty it happens before the end of this year. Uh, I think assuming that Caleb beats Holly Holm, if Holly Holm beats her, then all bets are off, I guess, at that point. But if Caleb beats Holly Holm, I, which I believe she will, uh, Kayla is probably just fighting the winner of the, you know, to be announced Bantamweight battle between Raquel Pennington and uh, Juliana Pena. And once she has the belt, then Amanda Nunes there. I think there is, you know, I think there is smoke to fire, right? And so when Amanda Nunes teases coming back, let's be real freaking clear. Amanda Nunes isn't teasing coming back to Bantamweight because she saw Rocky Pennington win the belt. Like that's she didn't think that's not getting her blood up or whatever. She's doing it because they both she and Kayla both trained an American top team. This was a fight that was kind of rumored it was going to happen, and then Amanda ends up losing to Pena and sort of derails the whole thing but they run in the same circles they know what's going on hey kind of here i'm hearing that kayla's coming over and maybe i might be interested in coming back i think if kayla beats uh beats holly home she will uh, i think she will beat holly home i am extraordinarily confident she would beat either raquel pennington or juliana pena assuming she can make the weight and if if both of those things happen she's got the belt amanda nunez and has the belt by the end of the year uh side note we all sucked none of us picked kayla harrison to be the bantamweight champion by the end of the year miss on all parts but uh if that happens then i would say it is almost a certainty amanda nunez gets a big bag of money and they do nunez harrison for for the title you know sometime in early 2025 well for fans of Ban- the Bantamweight division, maybe you get something to be excited for, even if you're not a fan of the division. Kayla Harrison versus Amanda Nunes, perhaps. Let's move on. Uh, we're going to go back to a little drill we did a, a few weeks back, and and we'll take a look at a little bit of an update. Uh, the point for round three goes to... I know Jose tried to give this the way. I mean, he did. Jed gets the point, but... <laughs> you could you could play the music. I mean, he um, did. Yeah, but I mean, the way Jose, the way Jose is able to put words in in, in order from the 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 sun tasting like yogurt or however he said it, uh, almost snuck him back in there, which is like <laughs> a, a rando uppercut, uh, Korean zombie like. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we did this little drill uh, a little while back. Brian Campbell is on the show. 
and we were talking about UFC 300. Like, what's this looking like? Brian Campbell was very negative about the how the card looked. I was trying to preach patience. Jed gave his thoughts. But since that activity we did a few weeks back, here's what UFC 300 currently looks like. Justin Gaethje versus Max Holloway for the BMF title. Zhang Wei Li versus Jan Jianan for the women's strawweight title. Yuri Prohashka versus Alexander Rakic. Charles Oliveira versus Armin Sarukian. Calvin Cater, Aljamain Sterling. Bo Nickel, Cody Brundage. Davison mm-hmm. Figueredo versus Cody Garbrandt. Bobby Green versus Jim Miller. Holly Holm versus Kayla Harrison. And we just found out yesterday that rising star... Diego Lopez will be fighting at UFC 300, taking on Super Sodique Youssef. Jed, how are we grading UFC 300 as it looks right now? This is the issue with this show, Mike, is I shoved BC in a locker the last time we talked about 300 and his all chicken little, oh, this card's trash. Like, this card's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And I somehow lost, which was nonsense because... <laughs> the card, I said the card's going to be fine. Said the card's already got good bones, and we know we know the fights that are coming for it, and it's going to be fine. And now look at this motherfucker. It's good. It's a good card. It's missing a main event. I mean, it would be totally fine to do Justin Gaethje, Max Holloway as the main event here. But again, I think we all are of the understanding that the main event is going to be Drickus Duplessis versus Israel Adesanya. You tack that on top of this, and this card is the best fight card on paper in literal years. It is so damn good, and it was always going to be. I do not take Dana White at face value with anything he says, but when he says something like, hey, you know, we, we're going to stack this card beyond belief, for something like 300, you can probably believe that there is at least some truth to it now do i think it's perfect no i do think that they probably still made a few missteps in how this card should be constructed but it doesn't matter what they what they are still going to end up with is the best card that they have put together on paper in several years this card kicks ass it's three mishulin stars assuming we get the izzy ddp hell even without it it's three mishulin stars this card is going to be the event of the year because that's what the ufc wants to do for things like this even though it's just a number and it's not really the 300th pay-per-view you know all of those things doesn't matter this card's going to be stick we're all going to enjoy the hell out of it what do you think jose look at it's 300 as it stands what do you think I mean, just look at the. This is the issue with fight. Like, it's just the the. It's the three numbers three zero zero that's throwing everyone off. Because if this fight card was UFC three hundred one or UFC two ninety nine, this is a ten out of ten fight card. Like, imagine, imagine a world if you would. Imagine a world. I know I don't. I just went on this rant about not dealing in hypotheticals, but imagine a (laughs) imagine a world if you would. Or Justin Gaethje is about to fight Max Holloway and people are complaining that it's not a good enough card. That is insane to me. Like the fact that the first fight of the night could be Bobby Green versus Jim Miller is just and people are complaining is insane. Like people will complain whether you no matter what. No matter what, fight fans will complain no matter what. And I love you, fight fans. I'm not one of these journalists that, you know, just hate everyone blindly. But you all expect a lot for UFC 300. And I get it. It's UFC 300. UFC 200, before all the tomfoolery happened, was going to be bananas. UFC 100 was bananas. But the problem is the UFC – the problem is 
the original main event, you know, was going to be Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz for UFC 2, for UFC 200. Conor McGregor is bigger than the UFC, and that, you know, backfired on them. UFC 100 had Brock Lesnar in the main event, and Brock Lesnar is bigger than the UFC. And the UFC doesn't want that anymore. They don't want fighters to, you know, be bigger than those three letters, UFC. There's no one on the roster like that right now. Like, yeah, people think Sean O'Malley is really popular. He's very popular with a certain demographic of people that live on social media. Doesn't always translate to pay-per-view buys. Israel Adesanya is probably the biggest star right now uh, that's semi-healthy, I should say, that has a potential to headline UFC 300. DDP versus Israel. Awesome. Love it. But like I said, I want them to be healthy. If John Jones and if if there was, again, in this fictional world where I'm talking about where a card with Max Holloway and Justin Gaethje is a bad card in this fictional world, Stipe Miocic beats John Jones. And then the rematch is the headliner of UFC 300 because we're living in a fairy tale world. So 300. I, and there's one thing in the world I hate. Uh, more than people complaining and that is agreeing with Jed Mishu and I do agree with Jed Mishu is a 3 out of 3 card it's a 10 out of 10 it's a 100 out of 100 whatever A plus 3 Michelin stars whatever you want this fight card as it stands if if this was 300 awesome Charles Oliveira is fighting Armin Sarukian I mean, freaking Calvin Cater is welcoming Aljamain Sutton to featherweight. Yuri Prohaska is returning. Like, this fight card is so good. It's just those three numbers that are getting – that people just want so, – like, like they just want something else. And, like, there's not a lot out there. But as it stands right now, awesome card. Like, probably the most stacked card in years. All right, we're going to keep hypothet- hypothetical Jose around for a second. But I'm going to go to hypothetical Jed first, if you will. <laughs> let's, play, let, let's play a little game here. Let's just say – we're living in a hypothetical world. I think we're all sort of in agreement. We believe that within the next seven to 10 days, Dana White's going to go on social media and say DDP versus Izzy is going to headline this card. So let's just say that announcement's already been made. We have the three title fights, including the BMF and the other loaded fights that we've already talked about. How do you construct the main card if DDP Izzy is the main event? Oh, this one's really easy. Uh, so you have three title fights. Uh, you do DDP as he is your main event. Your co-main is Gaethje Max Holloway. Uh, I am open to the idea that they might uh, decide to do the thing they've done like once or twice before where you do uh, Zhang Yan and, and put that as like the second fight of the main card. So you get an intro fight, then you get a title fight, then you get a, a break fight, and then you're into the co-main and the main. My guess is that they will just run that as the featured fight, three title fights, the top three on the card. Uh, there is, I think, no universe in which Charles Oliveira Armand Sarukian does not exist on this main card, and damn well it deserves to. And then if this is what I'm doing, I might go different. They will almost certainly do Holly Holm, Kayla Harrison as the main as a main card opener or the second fight just because of the names involved. I would not. If if this is me, I have the power of the pin. I'm not doing that because one, there's a high likelihood that that fight is boring. It's going to bring down your energy. You don't want that. Uh, and instead, Mike, <laughs> see, you started laughing before I even said it. You know exactly what the hell I'm going to do. Uh, there's only one fight on this card that features former champion versus former champion that is guaranteed to deliver a highlight reel. And it's Davis Figueredo versus Cody Garbrandt. If I'm in charge of shit, that's your main card opener. We're all going to sit there, gather around the fireplace and the television and watch Cody Garbrandt get sent to the land of wind and ghosts. And it's going to be sick. So obviously. 
obviously that is the fifth fight on the main card. Four of them I don't think you can change. I would choose that as my fifth. Would you lay it out the same, Jose? How would you lay it out? And uh, we talked about this on Slack, and, and we talked about this on Heck of a Morning as well. And I don't actually hate this idea, but it would need like another big fight to be added. Like if they add Sean Strickland versus Hamza Chimaev, maybe you ponder this this idea to you know add some buzz, make it a special card in a different way. How would you construct it? And if they do add like a big fight like Strickland Shemaev, what are your thoughts about possibly? Putting Zhang Weili, Yan Zhao Nan as the featured prelim on ESPN, generate some extra eyeballs, generate a few extra pay-per-view buys. Taylor, so to speak, a little bit towards that crowd since it's a little bit earlier. I don't know if the time frames match up, but thoughts about that and how would you construct this card? I don't like I, I'm I, I believe that undisputed champions deserve to be near the top of the card. Um I get the argument for putting, you know, uh Yan Zhao Nan versus Zhang Weili as the featured prelim. I, I understand that argument. You know, you want to put a high-level mixed martial arts fight with not a lot of heat uh, to get people to buy the pay-per-view. I just think, you know, if you're a champion and you're a title contender, you've put in the work, you deserve to get that pay-per-view spot. Um, especially if you're getting pay-per-view points, you want to be on the pay-per-view card. Uh, Justin Gaethje versus Max Hall. As this stands right now, like, I'm not going to, like – create this goofy card if if it ends right now and i'm not saying that Zhang Weili versus Yan Zhanan deserves to headline UFC 300 because i just you know there should probably be a massive card at the top especially for 300 Zhang Weili versus if this ends now in my world where meritocracy matters and champions headline cards i would put the undisputed title at the top i would put the bmf title second because i don't think we can live in a world where the bmf title outshines an undisputed champion um but similar to what jed said like shang wei li yan Jonan, if this is if it ends now that should be the main event because it is an undisputed championship fight I know the comments are going to hate it. I know fans would hate it. You know, remember when they booked Valentina Shevchenko versus Sajara Eubanks just to headline the MSG card? And people were like, that fight card, that fight sucks. This doesn't deserve to be MSG. So then they just had DC, they just gave DC a boatload of money to fight Derek Lewis. Prob- they're probably going to give someone a boatload of money to headline this card. And then at that point, Zhang Weili versus Yan Zhaonan should be the co-main. Justin Gaethje versus Mouth Holloway should be the third fight. The main card opener, I don't probably probably i don't armin sarukian versus charles Oliveira seems like a good main card opener i do agree that cody garbrandt versus or cody garbrandt versus davis Guerrero should be the featured prelim because someone's gonna someone's gonna die in that fight and people are gonna be like i want to see more people die here's 80 dollars i'll buy a pay-per-view so i think that seems like a really good featured prelim former champion versus former champion two guys that you know they generate a lot of interest on social media bo nickel can be where like again this fight card is so you can line this up after the main card you can line this up as ever you want because i'm all, especially if they're all on espn i've said this a few times like if all the fight cards are on espn i don't really view main card prelim early prelims as a thing you're not changing the channel you're just you know there's just a little bit of a break between the third fight and the fourth fight so line this up wherever you want because I just want to see them fight. I don't care if Armin Sarukian versus Charles Oliveira is the first fight of the night. Because you know what? We get to watch Charles Oliveira fight Armin Sarukian. Don't care when or where it happens. Just want to watch that fight. I'm happy it's in front of a crowd. But I think the, an undisputed championship should headline pay-per-views. I've got a better question for Mike, for you, and for Jose, frankly. Who's jerking the curtain on this thing? 
Like maybe they add – if they do add the main event we've talked about, they also might add one more fight because I think there are 10 official fights for this card right now. Who, uh, who would be the opener fight of the like half-filled T-Mobile arena? Probably Bobby Green and Jim Miller. Oh, that hurts. You can't have Jim Miller jerking curtains. Why not? I think I think that ends up on ESPN. I think I, why I not? Mean, legit, Dude, legitimately, I would say Kayla Harris and Holly Holm should jerk the curtain. Here. I mean, that fight is probably going to suck, and let's start the night out boring and then build off of it. But do you know there's what? No you chance know, in hell they do that. You know what opens the card at UFC 200? I have no idea. Jim Miller versus Takanori Gomi. Have Jim Miller open 302. There you go. Takanori Gomi is a much bigger legend than Bobby Green, and those two are opening the card. And then, you know, you know who fought after them? Sage Northcutt versus I'm not even going to tell you who he fought because I bet you two can't even remember. So, yeah. There's put zero Jim, chance I can remember put that. Put Jim Enrique, Miller as the – Enrique Marin, something like correct. that? Correct. doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, I bet. But, yeah, put Jim Miller at the opener of the card. Man, you know, there's – as a seasoned veteran and a man who probably has a lot of gray hairs, probably has an early bedtime – Jim Miller can open the card. I don't hate Diego Lopez Sadiq Yusuf opening in the card. I'd rather you know that open. People the card. are going to come out in droves to watch Diego Lopez fight. It wouldn't be out. a bad idea because Mexicans travel and they also travel to Las Vegas. So if you want a filled T-Mobile Arena, you put Diego Lopez at the beginning, and I mean, they're, they're, it's obviously not going to sell out, but there will probably be more than more than if Jim Miller opened up. But my answer is still Jim Miller versus Bobby Green. Hey, can't go wrong either way. Well, let's move on. Um, the point for round number four goes to – I mean the passion from hypothetical Jose is is just so good. <laughs> two to two. Two to two. Who and now we go to this coming. And now we go to the knockout round because there was an earlier question – that happened uh where both jed and jose were were wrong both of you were wrong and we're gonna we're gonna rectify that and we're gonna correct that right now and we're gonna do this the right way uh so we'll have one question 60 seconds for each competitor to give their thoughts and their takes and then we'll turn it over to i don't know casey you could decide we could you could either pick it or we go to the peeps however you want to do it uh if we're gonna go to the peeps just let us know but jed what do you want to do? Price is right rules. Do you want uh, this for? Do you want this first showcase? Do you want to pass it on over to Jose? I'm ready to be done with this. Let's go first. <laughs> oh, I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, <laughs> the correct answer for the low key MVP of UFC 297 is the only fighter during the UFC 297 watch party that got GC and I to stand out of our chairs and not only stand out of our chairs. But applaud the first standing ovation in the history of the watch party. And it's from a guy who did not compete at UFC 297. In fact, he is not an active fighter at all. The low-key MVP for me was one Frankie Edgar, who has just been announced as the first member of the 2024 UFC Hall of Fame. Well-deserved, former champion, been in wars, a guy that outkicked his coverage his entire career. So, Jed... 60 seconds. I know that it, you may, it may not be enough time, but 60 second, uh, you know, welcome to the Hall of Fame speech about one Frankie Edgar. This is a great move. Talk about Frankie Edgar. You're introducing him to the crowd in only 60 seconds. Go right ahead. Start now. I hate Frankie Edgar. 
I've hated him for a long time. I think Jose uh, previously mentioned that our colleague New York Rick said that he used to hate Frankie until he loved him. Uh, I hate forever because I, I just have that in me. Uh, for the same reasons, Frankie robbed BJ in that first fight. BJ never should have lost his belt to Frankie. Frankie obviously then clearly won the next two, but that's a separate issue. And I never forgave him. I took great joy in watching Jose Aldo beat him up and everything that came after that. All that being said, I have a great amount of respect for Frank Yeager. And at various points in time, I've argued that there is a case to be made that he is the best fighter in history because the man was a career bantamweight who won the UFC lightweight title. Fighting 20 pounds above his weight, he won the UFC lightweight belt, held it for a long time, and kind of established himself as a legend in two weight classes over the course of his career incredibly deserved to be in the hall of fame and i'm glad the ufc got this one right and didn't make him wait like they have with some others so congratulations frankie edgar i still hate the shit out of you <laughs> wow all yeah. right jose same question one minute on the clock uh frankie edgar hall of famer wax poetically about one frankie edgar go well, have either of you two been to Tom's River, New Jersey? I'm willing to bet you haven't because that place sucks. If you like to do <laughs> drugs, go to Tom's River, New Jersey. So the fact that Frankie Edgar has made Tom's – I am willing to bet if Frankie Edgar didn't fight, 99% of the MMA fandom would not even know Tom's River, New Jersey existed. So the fact that Frankie Edgar is putting this very – lame town on a map speaks volumes as jed said the man is a career bantamweight won the title at lightweight i i scored the second benson henderson fight for frank edgar i thought he lost fair and square in the first fight dropped down to featherweight pushed jose aldo to his absolute limit dropped down to bantamweight almost fought for title there we have a rankings panel at mmafighting.com i am not on it because i don't like i just don't want to argue about what pound for pound means Frankie Edgar did the pound for pound thing. He fought the best of the best at three weight classes. He is pound for pound one of the best fighters that has ever lived. I don't know if I have enough time, but Tom's River, Jersey sucks. Frank Edgar is awesome. Well, uh, if you want to take a trip to Majestic, don't do that. Don't do that. uh, Call your local travel agent and make that happen because Jose has sold the goods for good old. (sighs) TRNJ. So I probably right. did honestly, and that's a, Can that's I say a little th- alarming. <laughs> 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 also, isn't it super weird that the UFC announced this in Canada when they're going to Jersey in like a month? I it just seems thing. dumb as shit to me, right? Like, it was like one of the more memorable moments of the pay per view, though. So I'll I mean, give it, it that. It helped, sir. Like, sir this is this is the something. This is the UFC we're talking about. Islam Mahachev literally said, I want to fight Justin Gaethje in June. So the UFC booked Justin Gaethje to fight Max Holloway in April. Like, let's not look past the point of the UFC doing odd things. It's true. It's but this true. one, like, they they had to buy him a ticket to Canada. They he's just been like, hey, man, get off your couch and come up to 405 or whatever. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't understand it. Like, I don't. Great. He should be inducted. Why are we doing this in Canada? Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. the ovation he would have gotten in Atlantic City would have been pretty cool. But the so last got, time he yeah. fought, the last time he was in Canada, he was losing was to Max Holloway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was there for both it's of those. Like, it's, like, it's not like he even had like the biggest win of his career was in Toronto. No, <laughs> it's just, 
It's just a moment, a moment for moment's sake. Uh, Casey, are you picking the winner? Are we going to the peeps? How are we doing no, this? We're, we're, going, we're going to the peeps. All right. We are, we are a democracy here at MMAfighting.com. Well, that was before last week where we were not. Do you remember, say, see, here's the thing, Jed. Remember how you said that you should have beaten, B, I, you, I assume it was BC you said you should have beaten, correct? Yeah. The last time I phased BC, his <laughs> answer to the knockout round was he couldn't think of an answer. I remember. He literally I used all 60 seconds. He used 59 seconds to think and then said, I don't know. And then the fans voted he won. You were the host yeah. of that one, Jed. What a moment. It was, it was were you? Funny. What yeah, an alarming time that was. Yeah, when Jed hosts, things go off the rails. Uh, a guy wins without answering the, the last question. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the only time in the history of the show that we didn't go to the last question was when Jed hosted as well. So <laughs> what a time. Casey, how are we doing on the votes? I would love to plug all the weekend content, but um, yeah, I, th I think I think we have a winner. Be any since there's no UFC event. Uh, Royal Rumble on Saturday. I am looking forward to watching the Rumble. Rumble. Uh, Where so is the Rumble this year? Tampa, Florida. Uh, ooh. <laughs> would I you rather go to Tampa or Tom's River, Jose? That that <laughs> has to be Tampa. It can't even be close. <laughs> can I say? Can I say? I have someone who's been to both. I, okay. You would rather go to Tom's River? No, I don't know. I'd in rather Tampa because you could. If just I want to do drugs, I can just stuff. do them somewhere else and not one of those two because that's the only reason to go to either city. Yeah, but Tampa's also like right next to some good spots, Clearwater and stuff. Those are all like fine beachy spaces, sir. Much better than Tom's River, sir. I don't use the term "good spots" when referring to anything in Florida. This is true. Oh, Shout out Florida. Shout out to the Sunshine State. As someone that's from Central Florida, I have no issue saying all the crap about Florida. Yeah. So go for it. <laughs> yeah. Better than let's Jersey. Not for, let's not. I've been, hey, I've been, I, I went. To, I've been to Tom's River. I've. I was in Tom's River when that big. Um, a couple of weeks Sandy. after that big hurricane came, and I Sandy. did. I helped. I helped do a Sandy came, and I did uh, some charity videos with Frankie Edgar in Tom's River on the boardwalk. The boardwalk, which, which had the freaking roller coaster in the ocean, which yeah. is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in real life. <laughs> a roller coaster in the ocean. So I love Tom's River, by the way, because it was... It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Oh, it was... It was unbelievably awesome. The only I reason I would ever... The only reason I would ever go to Central Florida realistically is to watch the the Red Sox spring training but even now I have no desire to watch that team do anything so yeah there's no reason to go to Central Florida might be cheaper than ever to go to Fort Myers this year to watch the Red Sox mm -hmm. so I would uh, I would not you couldn't even pay me to go to Fort Myers if even if the Red Sox weren't playing Shout I also don't I also don't like golf and I'm not an idiot so I don't like going to Florida okay we're, we have to move on uh, Casey please tell me you had one yeah, um, <laughs> your winner today with sixty-two percent of the fan votes is. Oops, good number. And still, Jet Bashir. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. There you go. So Jed gets gets, gets to go to beautiful Tampa, Florida. Jose, <laughs> consolation prize. You're off to Tom's River for a week. All expenses Ooh. paid. Jed, congratulations. Final thoughts. I go to Tampa a lot. My best friend lives there. It's not great, but Florida's <laughs> better than Jersey. <laughs> this seems the weather's always nice. Like I don't. It just seems like this is much. It's the most ridiculous ending to the show I've ever heard. That we're banking on Jersey versus Florida. Florida got problems, but it's eighty and sunny. I'll take that every time. Yes, I love y'all, uh, Jose. Enjoy Tom's River. Any final thoughts? Mm. <laughs> no, I don't know. Picking between Jersey and Florida is like picking which kneecap you want to get shot in. <laughs> the left, obviously. Uh, having said that, we love you all. If you're in New Jersey or Florida or Massachusetts or Wisconsin or South Carolina, wherever you may be watching right now in the United States or around the world, we appreciate that. Casey, you can hit the music. Let's get the hell out of here. We have exhausted everybody's time uh, and ending with the most heated debate of all. Wasn't should DDP Izzy headline UFC 300 or not? It's should you go to Tampa? Or was it a robbery? What a memorable show. Thank you all. Back next week, we'll get you ready for UFC Vegas 84, 85. You could just make up a number, and I would believe you. Roman Delize will be back in action. So get excited. Middleweight. Middleweight, everybody. Middleweights. Until then, thank you very much. Back next week. Good night, everybody. Love you. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.